So I was <laughs> I was sending a text message the other day. A text message? And I typed snuggling. Yeah. And it auto-corrected to struggling. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's fine, too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that actually tracks better, probably. <laughs> Hi, Ellen Marsh. Hello, Patricia. Oh, uh, you guys, Ellen Marsh is wearing a hat today. It's hat day here on OWD. What's going on over there with the hat, girl? How's your glass house? <laughs> Do you just feel like throwing mm-hmm. stones mm-hmm. from it? You guys, welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared, the podcast where Ellen Marsh and I tell the stories of missing people by recapping our favorite show, IDs Disappeared. You're looking at me really intensely now that I've mentioned the hat. Yeah, I mean, I think it looks kind of cute, but whatever. I'm here to work. I'm here to learn. <laughs> You guys, if you want more of the shenanigans, join us on our Patreon. We call it the Drama Club. Every month, what do they get? They get three full bonus episodes in what else? The Trivia! True Crime Trivia. It's the place to be the first Friday of every month, you guys. We bring special guests. Tell the people about it. I, I would, but your mouth just keeps flapping. I can't even jump in. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> We play trivia once a month on the Zoom. There's 10 live contestants. We have an amazing at-home component where you can play at home. You don't have to you don't have to get on the screen. You can stay pantsless if you want. You play along. We ask you questions about true crime. We ask you questions about OWD. We ask you questions about shit that we've talked about on the podcast. Who knows? It's <laughs> tell me, all- wait, tell me more about the at-home component where they play at home. Is there a vaccine <laughs> that makes you shut your mouth? <laughs> Because if there is one, I would like it. If there's not one, I'd want to launch. There is one. Unfortunately, it just went on a pause. You know what I mean? (laughs) All right, you guys. Disappeared, season four, episode 10, The Mystery on Lake Seminole. I am jumping out of my boots. I know. I know. I thought you said jumping out of my boobs. Uh, Of course you did. (laughs) Mike Williams was a young businessman on the rise in Tallahassee, Florida. He was really coming into his own. There was almost nothing that he couldn't do. Early one morning, he ventures out to Lake Seminole to go duck hunting and never returns. Such a tragedy that somebody like this has just vanished. Where is Mike? Alarming stories start to surface. Their evidence investigator told me your son fell out of his boat and bumped his head and drowned and alligators ate him. But as new evidence emerges, so do suspicions of foul play. There are people who know what happened to Mike, or at least know a lot more about what happened that have never come forward. If you ever liked a mystery, you pick up this case and you read it after second page your hook all right you guys this one is all about a guy named mike williams and we're joining mr williams sometime before dawn on december 16th 2000 and we learned right at the top that mike is up for an early morning duck hunting trip girl yeah how do you feel about that okay thank you for asking You're about welcome. my feelings i have a lot to say about that. okay shock <laughs> to no one continue <laughs> Here's the thing. We learned that this cutie pie, Mike, is going to go duck hunting at, like, before dawn by his fucking self. In the woods, in a swamp, by a lake, with alligators and, say it with me, Bigfoot. See, every time. I I think that you're well and you're not. I don't... Again, we're reminded that this is before dawn, and I just said, I get up early too, Mike, all right? Okay, Mike, (laughs) I see you with your fucking up before the sun. Also, girl, we're in fucking 
Florida again. I, uh, I just, Florida, why? I know. Why? You make us be like this. You bring it upon yourself. Yeah. Why do you make us like this? The thing about Florida is that there are so many animals that will eat you without even thinking twice. That right there is reason enough not to live in that goddamn state. I hear you. However, we're going to find out alligators don't really eat people. But we are going to have to hear the expression eaten by an alligator about eight You guys, times. hold on to your butts. You have been warned, okay? I got to point out that Mama Cheryl, this is Mike's mom, she's got the most epic pigtails. So Mama Cheryl might be one of the downest bitches we've ever had. Can we have some down bitch Mama Cheryl music? Yeah, yeah, right here. I'm, I'm going to have an attitude. Bitch, I got an attitude. I'm going to have an attitude. Bitch, I got an attitude. So what I got an attitude. Yeah, she is, Mama Cheryl is, Mama, at first I was a little bit like, what's this lady's deal? Yeah. I wasn't quite sure Same. at first, but oh my, she is Fred Murray in lady form, for I sure. mean, get, just get ready. I feel like Fred Murray could learn a thing or two from her, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, if Mama, Mama Cheryl, if you're out there and you got a book, we want to sell it, because <laughs> you're the greatest. When Jerry Michael Williams, known to everyone as Mike, gears up for an early morning duck hunting trip, downs the last of his morning coffee, and heads out the door of his Tallahassee home. He was always happiest outdoors. Michael was a hunter from the time he was six years old. He would be out with his little bow and arrow shooting at targets. I just wrote, she tells us he was a real outdoorsy kid. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. his face is echoing those sentiments. But he was going to a place that he loved to go fishing, hunting, biking, camping, I don't know, Lake Seminole, Florida. And that's where he's going this morning. It it's is. about 60 miles away from and? where he lives. What, honey? Oh, someone didn't take thorough notes. What? 60 miles and a time zone oh. away from Dallas. Yeah, Christopher said that, and yeah. I was like, I don't want to Google that. Where is it? It crosses a border. <laughs> Great. That was information. But wait. The next thing Christopher says, you guys, I really thought, I'm like, oh, I'll make a funny joke, but then there'll be like a reasonable explanation for this, and nope. then there's not. Nope. You know what I'm going to say? Yep. On his way to go hunting by himself, where he will encounter a Bigfoot and get eaten by an alligator, this guy has to stop at work to pick up a shotgun. <laughs> Him and, um, what was that lady from Snapped that kept her shotguns and her dildos at work? That's, I think don't I'm... look in there. That's where I keep the shotguns and the dildos. Can I'm not, not. I don't know how to spell the name, but I think it's Ellen Marsh. It's something like. <laughs> I don't have a shotgun. <laughs> I used to keep my shotguns and my dildos. I no longer have room for the shotguns. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New York closets, very small. He was really at a point in his career where he was really coming into his own. One thing Mike Williams loved was work. He really enjoyed it. Really, genuinely did. And um, and he was a great worker for us. He had grown to where he was uh, my primary real estate appraiser. There was almost nothing that he couldn't do. So we meet Clay Ketchum, who's his boss, and basically he speaks to, you know, what a good worker is, that he was beyond a good worker. He actually just loved his job. You guys, Clay elevates out of his seat, telling us how much Mike really fucking loves being an appraiser of real estate. My brother 
is a, road, a praiser of real estate. I get that. And I think we're going to find out how much money Mike makes. Like, this guy makes a shit ton. Yeah, All of I want to know if my brother makes that much money, actually. You need to quit your jobs and become, like, commercial real estate appraisers. But I'm just saying, like, it's one thing to like your job. It's another thing when your boss is like, no, 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 no. I don't know if you heard me. Yeah, yeah. He fucking loves doing his job, man. Yeah. Like, one time when I was a concierge, when I first started being a concierge, I remember changing into my uniform in the locker room and having the thought, I love this so much. Someday I'm going to die and I won't be able to be a concierge anymore. That's how Mike feels every day he goes to his appraisal job. Yeah, do me a favor, sweetheart. Don't ever repeat that story. (laughs) Let's just keep it between us. Yeah? Great. I really liked helping people. No, you don't. You hated that job. I got the ass end of that job. You hated that job. I know. Hey, while we have their ears, why are you guys so fucking awful when you go to hotel? Yeah. Why? So People, why? Why are you so nice when you're at home but you go to a hotel? You're mean. Yeah, so mean. I'm talking to you if you think I'm not talking to you. You're not talking, actually. You're squeaking. So there is a defrance. I do um, squeak for emphasis. I used to use the squeak sparingly. Right. Now I can't stop. Yeah, you're a squeak whore. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the squeak whore. Mike and his wife Denise are the parents of an 18-month-old girl. Everyone who knows Mike admires his devotion to Ansley, who is the apple of his eye. He was thrilled to have the baby. That Ansley was the love of his life. In spite of his workload, um, Mike was always there for Ansley. Uh, Whatever Ansley needed, Mike was there. So Mike was married to a woman named Denise. and Don't give it away. I fucking don't like her. I know, but don't give it away. Okay, sorry. Uh, And they they have an 18-month-old named Ansley. Which I feel like they're just saying that name wrong. Isn't that name Ansley? What did I just say? No, you said it correctly. You said it the way they said it. But they say Ansley. And I've never heard that. I only know Ansley. Like Ansley Hayes from the West Wing. You don't know all the names in the world. While that is true, I feel like they messed up. Well, you know what I my mean? name is spelled with a Y, and people can't get their head around it. It's your constant need for attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that to carry on a conversation, or is that a conversation ender? Because that felt like that just died in the water right there. As if you will think that I will rebut the fact that I need lots of attention. Yeah. It is my love language. I need food, water, and compliments. You barely need food. And speaking of dying in the water, can we get back to Mike? Mike took on a lion's share of the responsibility in caring for his child. He typically worked 12, 14, 16-hour days, got three, four, five hours sleep where he could, take the baby to the office with him. Working and taking care of the baby was his life from that day when, when they had her. On this day... Mike leaves his wife and little girl at home for a solo hunting trip. Mike loved his daughter. He actually loved his life. He was a super present dad. There are so many pictures of him cuddling this sweet little baby, and everyone kind of said the same thing. We meet brother Nick. Brother Nick tells us that this guy, Mike, his brother who loves his real estate appraisal job, was working like 16 hours a day. I was like, don't you eventually appraise all the real estate? (laughs) You know what I mean? 16 hours a day? That feels like eventually you run out of real estate in Tallahassee. We now know what it's all worth. Yeah. We know (laughs) what it's all worth. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go a time zone over. Totally. BRB. There's a fishing hole over there I really love. Maybe I'll praise some real estate. <laughs> yeah, he just walks around with a tape measure. <laughs> Just checking shit out. So I also do imagine that, like, appraising real estate, like, determining how much something is worth, that's got to be hard. It is, and it's subjective. Yeah. You could have three people appraise something for three different things. Huh. That's weird. It is weird. Your brother's got a weird job, if I'm being honest. I, I was a, waiting. I got a job. Yeah. Yeah. There right it here. is. There it is. <laughs> 
The only silence you've ever heard on this podcast was that six seconds that I waited for the joke to come out of his mouth. Anyway, we learned that that morning that Mike went out to the lake, the lake was empty. He loved taking these solo trips. Dawn has broken by the time Mike pulls up to a dirt landing on the lake. It is chilly in the early morning silence. There is no one else around on the shore or on the water as he launches his motorboat, stows his rifle, and starts the engine. It's noon on that day that he went out duck hunting, and his wife Denise is worried. It's their six-year wedding anniversary, and they'd planned to go out of town for an overnight. So Denise called her dad, and now it's 3 o'clock, and Denise's dad, Warren, drives out to Lake Seminole to where they know that Mike normally launches his boat, and they do see his truck there, but no boat. So this is where they call the Florida Wildlife Commissioner, or the FWC, and they're responsible for finding missing hunters. So wait. (laughs) So there is a whole division of a branch of an organization dedicated to finding missing hunters. Can we solve this problem better? Like, can we go out in pairs? Can we have a GPS? This is what What, I'm saying. Are there that many hunters that have gone missing that demand an entire organization? I have some follow-up questions. Great, please. How many hunters go missing in Florida? (laughs) Were there enough hunters to pay for the jackets? (laughs) Because they're wearing FWC jackets. I know. And also, like, here's the real question, Bigfoot aside, how are these hunters going missing? You know what I mean? Like, where are they? Also, maybe how many hunters went missing before they made the group? Right. Because I would think one (laughs) would be it. They'd be like, no, no more hunters can go missing. We're going to need a commission. Yeah, we gotta, we're going to really, we got to work on this. Yeah. And they need jackets. <laughs> we're never going to solve all these missing hunters. Where's that commission? Mike's mother, Cheryl, is out for a walk when the news comes to her eldest son, Nick, that Mike is missing. When I got back home, Nick was crying. And he said, Mama, they can't find Mike. I said, what do you mean they can't find Mike? Mama, he didn't come home at noon, and Warren went over there, and they can't find Mike. I did think that Nick got a little emotional a little quickly. Because the other thing that we learn is that, like... This from you, the person who cried when he was off carbs for 24 (laughs) hours. Maybe we don't throw those stones when you're highly emotional. Yeah, baby? Do we think? Let's cut some people some slack, some breaks. Let him live his life. Now that you mentioned it, you're right. Why am I emotion shaming this man? Exactly. Yeah, you you can take it down a notch. Okay, you're right. You know what? I'm going to take that note. Thank you so much. Yeah, he he cries like when the Indigo Girls song comes on, and he didn't expect it to come on the radio. Wait, you know someone said a joke on the Facebook group? What? (laughs) Patrick, what's your favorite color? Indigo Indigo Girl. girl. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's good. That's really funny. So they search the lake all day, and then a storm hits, and they kind of have to call it quits. But early the next morning— Wait, on- can I, wait, wait. You're missing one thing. Like, the thing about this storm, when the storm comes in, it brings, like, freezing temperatures. I mean, I was going to get to that part. Uh-oh. You actually went out of order. <laughs> So it's early morning, December 17th. Mike's best friend, Brian Winchester, and his dad... Don't give it away. Okay, sorry. And his dad go out on the lake. Yeah. And they find... What do they find? Oh, my God. They found Mike's boat. Mike's best friend, Brian Winchester, and his father find Mike's boat along the lake's western shore, just 75 yards from the landing. When it is light, FWC agent Dave Arnett goes out with Brian to look at the boat 
and do an inventory of the contents. I found two life jackets laying under a bag of decoys in the front of the boat and a shotgun still in a zippered case uh, along the edge of the driver's seat. So they call the, the guys with the jackets. Yeah. So they assess the boat. The, the Florida missing guys with the jackets assess the boat, and they're the ones who say, wait, why was this seen on the western bank? Yeah. If the storm came and the winds were blowing west, then the boat should have been found on the eastern bank, to which I said, how the, other than Mary Poppins, how I know. do you all know which way the wind is blowing? The winds from the east come and Mary Poppins shows up. That's all I fucking yeah. know. But they say... You know, they found in the boat two life jackets. They find his shotgun, like, still zipped in its case. And so their theory is that he fell out of the boat near the landing. And I said, and this is why you don't go hunting alone. Yeah, yeah. This is why you don't go hunting alone! Yeah. Moreover, the gas tank was full in the boat, so yeah. they know he didn't, like, go out for that long. Now, the water there is only three to five feet deep, and it's, you know, it's a swamp. There's plants, there's animal, whatever the fuck is found on a swamp. It's a swamp. Bigfoot. It's fucking it's, Bigfoot, It's disgusting. Yeah. So there is no sign of him. Oh, I, I do see that this is the note where they make the note about the boat yeah, being on the rock Yeah, it was side. later, but it's fine. <laughs> I go to your schedule. Do you know what I mean? So, You're so adaptable. Girl. So a day passes. Okay, this is a little contradictory to what actually happens, but the way it is presented, a day passes and they decide he was a victim of a tragic accident. It is assumed that Williams is the victim of a tragic accident. I felt very sad. We really felt like that Mike had drowned and that he um, would be found probably within a week or so. It seems that they're like, ugh, can't find him. Look, <laughs> we looked like two full hours. So I guess uh, yeah. I guess it was an accident. Yeah, oh Panera, well. Who wants Panera on me, guys? This is a sad, this is sad. Didn't it seem that way, the totally. way they presented it? It's actually not. Yes. We're going to back up and find yeah, yeah, out yeah. they <laughs> do a little bit more. But they're like, no, we checked the lake. Yeah, accident. <laughs> Don't know where he is. No, no, he, he already said he wanted Panera. Yeah, he already said it. Well, because what happens is they end up actually like, it's like the biggest search of this lake in this lake's history. They spend 756 hours over an unprecedented 56 days scouring the 10-acre patch of Lake Seminole. So people start saying that, yeah, he probably fell overboard and he was wearing waders, you know, like to wade. And yes. they, if he fell. He was wearing like two men in like a white shirt and black pants <laughs> with like a, like a tray with drinks on it. That's He's funny. wearing them. Yeah. He wore them into the lake. So if the waiter's filled with water. Sorry. Now I'm imagining you actually filling these human waiters with water. Just like filling the way I filled you with vodka that time. Soon, a troubling theory develops. People start saying that Mike must have pitched overboard. And the chest-high waiters he wore for duck hunting had sucked him eight feet to the bottom. The alligators that infest the lake, some up to ten feet long, must have gotten to him before the searchers could. Their evidence investigator said, Miss Williams, I'm sorry to have to tell you, but your son fell out of his boat and bumped his head and drowned and alligators ate him. Cheryl is given this thing. They were like, hey, sorry about it. This is what happened. Your son went fishing or went duck hunting all by himself. He fell. Yeah. He hit his head. He drowned and alligators ate him. And Mama Cheryl was like, I mean, thanks. But like, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do my own investigating. Forgive me. I don't yeah. believe in Santa. 
Santa. I don't believe in the Easter Bunny. Yeah. I don't believe in Tuvary, and I don't believe you, and I don't believe this story. No, and I have about a million things to say here. Number one, we find out that people drown in this lake all the fucking time. Well, 80 people have drowned. 80 people? Close the lake. <laughs> Fill it in. Fill it in with the alligators. You got to close it to 80 people? So, well, Wait, I've got one more thing to say. Yeah, go for it. They continuously refer to the lake bottom, and I just keep imagining this little twink. Hey! <laughs> Anyway, the lake bottom. That's funny. That might have been the funniest thing you've ever said. Hey, like wearing go-go shoes. Hey, and they're like trying to do the investigation. They're like, don't, don't, don't give him any mind. Don't, don't you look at that lake bottom. Don't, because then he'll want, he want us to come in. He tricked us at one time. We all got our knickers off, went and swimming with the lake bottom. Don't even look at him. Don't you look at him. Don't you look at that lake bottom. You tricked me that one time, Jeremy. It ain't gonna happen again. It's just this really embarrassed straight guy that had, like, a really unfortunate incident. He's like, come on, bitch, you like it. I did like it a little bit. I did. I did. I went to church that day. I prayed on it. But I did like it. Mike's boss, Clay Ketchum, hears the theory that Mike might have been eaten by alligators from Mike's best friend, Brian Winchester. And he said, I hate to even mention this to you, but there has been the thought process that an alligator has got him. And I just said, oh, my gosh, and just felt sort of an uneasy, sick feeling in my stomach. That's the first time I had heard of the alligator aiding theory. So they've all resigned themselves to this alligator story. So they want to recover his body. And basically they're saying if this alligator story is true, if he did drown, his body will appear or parts will appear at some point. I have no words to express I would rather put my tongue on a panini press for a very long time than wade in this water for three seconds. I know. The point is they're doing it. They're going like bit by bit, foot by foot. They're just checking for anything, any signs of life that they can. Now they do this for like, like you said, like two months. And you guys, like no one is laughing. Everyone is saying this as though it's not so ridiculous. Christopher keeps saying the theory that he was eaten by alligators starts to gain traction. It becomes actually very normalized when you listen to it and then you don't actually think of how possibly tragic that could be. So to back up a bit, they're kind of thinking, where did this theory of the alligators come from? Who put that bug in people's ear that was like, well, you know what probably happened? And it turns out the story actually originated from best friend Brian Winchester. Yeah. He basically was like, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah. I know that lake has got a lot of alligators. And Cheryl was like, (laughs) Mama Cheryl was like, nah. Yeah, right. Wait, I have the actual thing that Chris Rear said. This was not an explanation that Mike's mother could accept. No. And listen, so Mama Cheryl was like, what's weird about how cold it was in Tallahassee, it was 19 degrees and that cold front continued for two weeks. For like weeks. a week, yeah. So Mama Cheryl gets all murder she wrote and calls Florida State University. So then I called Florida State University and talked to their top alligator expert and he said no your son could not have been eaten by alligators physiologically impossible while it's a good theory it won't hold up in your son's disappearance 
the alligator expert was like, yeah, that's a super convenient explanation, but it's actually virtually impossible. Yeah. So I looked this up and- Oh, good, because they don't tell us why it's impossible. So what happens is an alligator, alligator can lower their metabolism to survive in the cold and they can go without eating for a few months. They won't ascend and actually eat anything until it's about 70 degrees. So she's spot on with that information. 70 degrees? Yeah. Super specific. The alligator walks into the alligator restaurant and is like, it is 64. I will not. I will not. I will will not. not. How dare you, sir? (laughs) And he just is like, bloop, 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 bloop. Because like they go on like their sides and like, bloop, 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 bloop. Can you imagine, just to really think about this for a second, getting eaten by a fucking alligator? No. Can we stop? No. No. So this is what Mama Cheryl is like. I knew this was, wasn't true. Yeah. And the alligator expert corroborated it. And this is where we meet hot Derek. Who's Derek? The hot investigator. Get it? Investigator. Get it? <laughs> investigator. Oh. <laughs> oh. Are you hiring somebody to write your jokes? Good no. one. Good one. So it's 10 days after Mike's disappearance, and they're still looking through the water. Remember, they're going day in, day out checking this water. Yeah. So they find a hat floating at the top of the water. Then, 10 days after Mike's disappearance, an FWC officer sees a hat floating in some weeds at the lake's edge. Officer Perry and myself were searching, doing a grid pattern across the the stumpy area, and we noticed the camouflage hat floating uh, off to the east weed line of the search area. We collected the hat, which uh, was a camouflage uh, duck hunter's hat. About this hat. Number one, they had already combed the area. Yeah. Never saw a hat. Yeah. And my first instinct was like, well, maybe they missed it. Maybe it was like in the bushes. Sure. Or maybe it was here. But when they get the hat, it's pristine. Brand new. It doesn't have like, you know, swamp sludge or moss or anything that we're, you know, a Bigfoot bite in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have anything. It was there for 10 days. And all they want us to know, literally every person who like worked on this rescue mission is like, everything that touches that lake is super slow. Me real fast. Yes, they want to know gross. how fucking disgusting this lake is. Come to think of it, those goddamn poor alligators have got to live in that shit all all the time. You know what they need? What a real estate appraiser. <laughs> The problem is he showed up and they ate him. That's what happened. <laughs> so then Brian was like, huh, that looks like Mike's hat. So remember, Brian is the best friend who was also the first person to put out the theory that maybe he had been eaten by the gators. And the first person to find his boat. Yes. On so, the wrong side of the lake. On the wrong side of the lake. <laughs> on the west side, everybody knows it can't be on the west side <laughs> because the winds come in from the west. You got to blow it to the east. And then you go to the south side of the north uh-huh. end of the south end. Yeah. So Brian was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Mike had a hat just. Just like that. They're like, okay, cool. Let's test it for DNA. They test it for DNA. Nothing comes back. It is not Mike's hat. And his family is like, I kind of think this was put there intentionally. Like, I think that they, like, somebody staged this. Totally. So, it's February, and wife Denise decides it's time to hold a memorial. In February, Mike's wife Denise decides to hold a memorial service for her husband. Denise's father came to me and Nick, and he said, Denise needs to get on with her life. We need to have a memorial service. And I said, but we don't know that Mike's dead. He's in the lake. I told you he's in the lake. And Nick said, but, but we don't know that he's dead. But if, if she wants to have it, okay. 
this is the beginning of the gaslighting of Mama Cheryl. (laughs) Because we're going to learn people are telling her a whole lot of things that she doesn't want to hear, doesn't believe, and no one is giving her the time to investigate it. Yeah. So February 11th of that year was Mike's memorial. And this was the day after, the actual day after, that they called off the search. Now the case is closed. He is still missing, but technically a memorial has been had. So the week after that, Brian, the best friend, meets with a lawyer to find out, wait for it, yeah. how you can declare somebody dead without a body. According to Cheryl, about a week after the memorial, Mike's friend Brian Winchester meets with an attorney to ask about the requirements to have someone declared dead without a body or death certificate. And while Denise Williams seems to want to put the tragedy behind her, her mother-in-law is not able to let the matter rest without proof her son is dead. So what are my other alternatives if he didn't drown in the lake and he didn't get eaten by alligators? Did he walk off? And Mama Cheryl's like, not so fast. I'm going to keep looking for my son because fuck you. And also, this is where I made the note, also Brian Winchester's not here for an interview. (laughs) So. You guys. So weird. Can you see where this is going? So weird. Yeah. So Mama Cheryl is like, he didn't drown because we don't have his body. And the alligators for sure didn't eat him. So we need to. (laughs) It's so crazy. It's so I feel like people who live in Florida are like, what? What is he laughing yeah, about? Yeah, it's like, not that funny. Or it's just nor like it's a way you might die in Florida. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? I mean, honestly, Florida, <laughs> give it a rest. So she's basically saying, listen, this is not adding up. Can we please open a criminal investigation before we declare my son dead? Maybe. Yeah. And the authorities like, are like, actually, no. But thank you for asking. Yeah. And she's like, wait, wait, maybe he walked off. Maybe. Yeah. The- she's like begging. She's like, can we check anything? Because the thing that maybe we haven't driven home enough is that like remember how we said 80 people have died in that lake right 79 bodies have come up yeah literally they found yeah. every other fucking person except for mike that is so many i people. know <laughs> that is so many fucking people i know but at least they were recovered so she has a point she's like something would have surfaced but like also wouldn't that be enough to make you not go by yourself to go fucking duck hunting alone at that lake 80 people i mean people die in their cars every day and we still drive our cars i guess but oh yeah. my god so Marma Cheryl says... Marma Cheryl? Marma Cheryl starts taking notes. I couldn't think of anybody that would want to hurt my son. So what I did was I started listening. And I started writing down everything that everybody said. And all these different things just didn't add up. Mama Cheryl's got calculators. And she's like, this shit isn't adding up. That's all I know. Anyway, so we have a brief little history, which will become important a little bit later. We learned that Mama Cheryl just lost her husband. Mike came from a really modest upbringing, and Mike has worked really hard. He makes $250,000 a year now. You need to find out if your brother makes that kind of coin. Yeah, And then we need to kill him. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hey, Joe. Anyway, so we learned that they come from a really modest family, and Denise You said modest like five times. That's fine. Uh, It's something that you are not and never have been, so I know that word is super foreign to you. So... She she saved all of her money. It was really important for her kids to be in private school, to have a great education. She saved, she scrimped, she worked, and the kids were in private school. Now, Mike met Denise in ninth grade. Yeah. And Mama Cheryl has nothing but lovely things to say about Denise. Except they all have an ED on them. (laughs) 
You're not wrong. I mean, I, there's a whole lot of past tense happening yeah. in all of this. We got a lot to unpack, <laughs> yeah. okay? We should make this a two-parter. Totally. <laughs> I loved her. I thought she was wonderful for Mike. Her family was one of the best families in Tallahassee, and she was beautiful. I, um, I was proud of her. It should be noted, Brian, the best friend, Denise, and Mike all grew up together. They were all besties. This isn't mentioned in the episode, but Brian's wife, Kathy, also went to high school. They all went to high school yeah, together. Yeah, so it was like a foursome. It was like Denise and Mike and Brian and Kathy. And yeah. Brian and Denise were also really good friends before Mike came into the yeah. picture. Dude, there's a lot of backstory they don't get into here. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. I Google it all. <laughs> so... They all graduated college, and then they all got married. Now, after they got married, Denise was, like, not hanging around the family functions so much. Yeah, we get, like, Mike's family. Remember, they were, like, the poor family. They grew up in the double wide. And, like, they're so fucking nice. Like, yeah. Mama Cheryl is so nice. What's the brother's name? Nick. He cries too much. Don't you think? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you're not. You just caught yourself no. how horrible you sound because... I am the world's biggest crier. You are. No, Nick is just saying, like, I think she looked down on us. But we yeah. all... I also learned that when Ansley, the baby that Mike and Denise had, was born, like, she didn't have a lot of interest in the baby either. Like, yeah. I don't know about her. Yeah. A lot of times they would come to family functions and Denise wouldn't go. Yeah. Like, and, like, when Mike would bring the baby around, like, Denise wouldn't come to for that exactly. either. Exactly, yeah. Like, Nick just said, I don't think she liked us very do, much. Do, I felt so bad. I know, I know, I know. So we're back to the story of the search. The official search had ended in February 2001. Then six months after Mike disappeared, new evidence comes to the surface of the lake, literally. A fisherman on the lake finds a pair of waders drifting in a spot he has fished many times since Mike disappeared. The waders were not slimy. After six months, they should have been slimy. They were clean waders. They were like new. They were completely pristine. There were no alligator teeth marks. Now, they had always told family and friends that when we find the waders, we will find Mike. Mike will be in them. Well, When that happened, people who heard about that, the mystery really intensified. So they call the FWC and they're like, come on, guys, grab your jacket. (laughs) (laughs) But again, the waiters were clean. And they were also, it was a big source of like more questions because this one reporter who we'll meet in a minute who like it really gets onto this case, she says that like the authorities had always said when we find the waiters, we'll find Mike. Right. He'll be in them. At least, like not to be gross, but at least his feet will still be in them. Right. Because the alligators probably can't chew through those, right. you know? Right. So Brian, the best friend, was like, oh, yeah, those are his. <laughs> those are yeah. his waiters. But like all the authorities like, not slimy enough to have yeah. been in this water for more than five minutes. Yeah, you know? absolutely. People talk about growing up swimming in this fucking disgusted, infested lake. But, like, everyone is saying you're in this water for five seconds and you're and covered you- <laughs> in slime and eaten by alligators. I know. What is Love your children, Florida. Love your children. <laughs> so they give the waiters to the father-in-law, and they get a diver to go to where the waiters were found. But, the, but it's the father-in-law and Brian who get the diver. Right. So the father-in-law and Brian are like, hey, remember that spot where they found the waiters? Yeah, let's go- look and see if there's... Go say hi to the swamp bottom. And say, hey, bitch, I'm down here. Say hi. Bring him a Cosmotini. And go see what else you find. But, like, meanwhile, all the authorities are like, no, we search the yeah, lake every day. And they're like, there's nothing there, yeah. sis. Right, nothing there but the lake bottom. Hey! <laughs> hey! After they found the waiters, the family or friend of the victim contacted a pretty renowned local diver. 
the diver goes into the water where the waders were found. And minutes later, he surfaces with a jacket and a flashlight. Oh my gosh! They found a jacket and a flashlight! Yeah, so like, this is getting ridiculous. And But like, still the authorities are like, no, these are definitely were planted here by somebody in the middle of the night. But we definitely should not open a criminal investigation. Yeah, no, no, these are just a lot of coincidences. So they <laughs> open up the pockets and Mike's hunting license is in the pocket. And magically, even though it was down at the bottom of the lake for six months, yeah. the flashlight turned on. Yeah, and like, this is the thing. Like, it's, all of this shit was so obviously planted. Yeah. You know, but like, but it keeps cutting to the cops being like, but we just don't really know what happened. Yeah, like, we just, just, our hands are tied. He definitely fell out of his own boat. Yeah, and it was, was eaten, eaten by, by alligators. alligators. <laughs> so we can't. I would do something. Right. Except the alligators. Right. It's so obvious. Yeah. It's yeah. obviously the alligators. So Mama Cheryl learns now that Denise has officially applied to declare Mike dead behind her back. Can you fucking No, I have that. chills. No, I, I can't. So the investigator tells us that generally it takes seven years to get someone declared dead if they're missing. If there's a presence of a body, you don't have to wait. If someone's missing, they generally wait yeah, seven but years. The other thing you can use to prove that somebody's probably dead is the shirt found at the bottom of the lake and the boots and the license was in the pocket so he's probably dead you guys if it's not clear they planted it they, yeah. the wife and the best friend planted all this they were shit. like look at all of the stuff that we found in this yeah. lake so clearly he must be deceased and it works the judge grants a presumptive death certificate and then suddenly Denise is cashing in on millions of dollars in life insurance 1.5 million in life insurance Cheryl Williams is devastated by the news that Mike is declared dead. She is more convinced than ever that there is something shady going on. And she has new suspicions about why Denise was so eager to have a memorial service so soon after Mike disappeared. One thing we did learn was that in order to declare somebody dead, you have to hold a public service saying that they're dead. Her efforts to initiate an investigation don't sit well with Denise Williams. And also, Mama Cheryl doesn't know any of this. Yeah. This is all happening completely behind her back. So Mama Cheryl and Brother Nick were like, cool, great, you're an ass, we're going to keep investigating. Then Denise was like, no, no. Yeah. If you keep investigating this criminally, you will be sorry and we will keep Ansley from you. Don't. And the mom is like, everyone's told me I should stop because I have a granddaughter, but I have a son too. And you know, the mom says at some point, if it weren't for me, nobody would ever be asking questions about this case. Yeah, because Denise kept saying to anyone who would listen, I want to move on. Don't mention his name, she said. Yeah, She was just like, and Brian was like, leave her alone. She's in agony. Like, leave her be. She's mourning. And Mama Cheryl was like, cool, I'm still going to find my fucking son. (laughs) Like, y'all go over and do whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. So in 2004, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement finally takes this case. Now, I looked this up on the internet. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. Guess how many letters Mama Cheryl wrote to the governor of Florida to open up the case. How many? Many. 2,600. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. She was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to write a letter and then I'm going to write a letter at dinner and then I'm going to mail those letters. And then in the morning I'm going to wake up. She would not take no for an answer. She begged. She pleaded. She banged on their door. She wrote 2,600 letters. Several different law enforcement agencies look into the case. And in the end, they all agree. Is it more than likely Mike did not disappear at the lake? that something happened to Mike 
maybe before he went to the lake. The investigators face overwhelming challenges. At no time in the 56-day search for Mike Williams was his disappearance investigated as a possible crime. And the thing is, when they when the law enforcement finally takes the case on, they're like, we didn't really have anywhere to look because nothing had been preserved. Nobody, the original investigators never looked at this as a homicide. Right. And so they, they didn't preserve any evidence. The truck and the boat that were both like would probably have had the most evidence were taken to that guy, Brian, the best friend's dad's house yeah. and just stored there for months. So we know that Brian had something to do with this. So they, I'm sure they cleaned all that shit out. There's nothing was stored. There's like, all they have is hunches. They, yeah. There's nothing that they can like legally or technically go on. It was, I was going to say the crime scene wasn't preserved, but it wasn't a crime scene. Right, right. So it was, they were just, you know, no footprint. It was nothing was there. They didn't even search his house. Right. And they say, and this ends up not being true, but in 2004, the law enforcement sort of feels like Brian never even was at the That's what ever. they said. Yeah. They were like, what makes you even think he was at the lake? And this whole time they're talking, I'm this emoji. I know. <laughs> you know that one? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, it wasn't treated like a crime scene because it wasn't a crime scene. Wester believes the timing of the discovery of the waiters and other evidence in Lake Seminole, so close to the hearing to determine Mike dead, is suspiciously convenient. When he begins his investigation in 2004, Wester learns the Florida Division of Insurance had conducted a quiet investigation of its own back in 2001. The agency thought it was curious that Mike's widow Denise had filed a claim on one of his life insurance policies just 20 days after he went missing. She filed an insurance claim yeah. 20 days after he went missing. Like, the search went on for 56 days. Right. right. So, sis, <laughs> yeah. calm They're down. Still your fucking your looking timeline go. is fucked up now. And it's also like, you guys are just bad at this. You just you. The only way it's not going to look suspicious is if you just fucking wait. They're not going to search forever. You're going to get your insurance money, sis. Right. So, about a month before Mike went missing, he also, he had asked Clay, his boss, yeah. as to, he was like, I need to get some more life insurance, my wife said. Yeah. And he, he, so weird. And, you know, she's probably right. You know, women know all this stuff. What kind of life should I yeah. get a million dollars? And Clay was like, yeah, I mean, get as much life insurance as you can afford. And he was like, yeah, I should. Also, by the way, like, we're not doing so great. Our marriage isn't going so hot. Because he was like his friend, his boss, but his confidant or whatever. We also find out that that million dollar life insurance policy was sold to him by best friend Brian. Yep. You guys! And so everyone was like, well... She might have been in some financial hardship. And Clay, the boss, was like, yeah, yeah I would believe that. But I paid her Mike's salary <laughs> for a year and a half. Like, just to be a good, solid no, stand-up dude. No, he calls it royalties. I think that he gets royalties off of the places that he appraised. Sure, yeah. But, I like, mean, I was, was getting like, royalties money. for, your brother's got the best job in the world. We need to find your brother, get him life insurance, kill that yeah, guy. Yeah, And then get his job. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. Yeah, should we delete this part? No. Okay. Um, no one will believe it if we say it on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but all to say, Clay was like, I was being a stand-up dude. I was giving her money. She wasn't in financial hardship. So yeah. hold on to your butts. Yeah. In 2004, there is a new development. Denise is now openly dating Mike's best friend, Brian Winchester, who has gotten divorced from his wife. It was probably just a few years after Mike disappeared that Denise came out and told us that she and Brian were dating. And I'm like, is this like, was this on the cover of the tablets? Would you say publicly dating? What does that mean? I don't know. Tagging shit on Facebook. Right, totally. <laughs> Being like, I, I don't know, Sunday fun day. Huh? <laughs> Be like, isn't that that 
widow and her husband's best friend. Like, whatever. Yeah. So, during the criminal investigation, Brian had retained counsel. Right. And was advised not to speak to anyone, and so was Denise. So, here's the gag. Yeah. They don't want to help out with the investigation at all. They just keep insisting that they want to put it behind them. Also, did we mention that they don't appear in this documentary? I know. Just want to, in case anyone (laughs) fast-forwarded through that moment, which I don't ever blame you for fast-forwarding. So, in 2005, Brian and Denise get married, and they live in the home that Denise and Mike lived in that Mike purchased for them. That the authorities now think Mike was murdered in before, like, God only knows whatever the hell happened to him. Right. So, May 7th, 2006, we're in Tallahassee, Florida, and reporter Jennifer Portman works for the Tallahassee Democrat. She'd never heard of this case, which I was like, a guy got eaten by alligators, you say, and you didn't hear about it? Okay. So... Mama Cheryl, in all of her down bitch glory, has never given up. She puts up flyers. She stands with handmade posters. And she always puts an ad in the paper and said, my son is missing. Help me find him. And Jennifer was like, eaten by alligators, you say? Everybody knows that alligators don't eat people in cold water. Let me investigate that. I mean, so she starts calling people, checking court records, and there wasn't much media coverage around this case because who gets media coverage? The family. And the family was like, we don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, and just everyone was saying we always knew it was weird. She calls the town of Tallahassee super gossipy Tallahassee. Right. (laughs) Everyone like sort of thinks of this case as legend. Right. So basically, this is where the episode ends. There are no suspects. Everyone is trying to solve this. Except for the ex-wife and the best friend. Exactly. They're not not interested in solving this, you guys. I wonder what that means. (laughs) And no one close to Mike believes any of this story, but they are trying so hard. And at the end, a tearful Mama Cheryl says, all I've had is people lie to me. Yeah. And she just wants to know. So she hasn't seen Ansley since 2004. And every year she keeps on putting ads out. She keeps putting up flyers. And it's just so sad. And that's how the episode ends. Which is so crazy because I was like, I feel like I know the resolution to this. Yeah. So uh, pull over. (laughs) Remember how trash garbage Denise, married, disgusting trash garbage, always had the answers to something, Brian? Yeah. Well, in 2016, Denise filed for divorce. From Brian, the best friend. Right. And she filed on the grounds of divorce because Brian had kidnapped her at gunpoint. (laughs) Yep. That. What? Yeah. And the reason he did that was because he knew a secret, and he was scared that she was going to tell it. What was the secret, girl? Well, Mike Williams' body was found October 18th, 2017. So wait, so what's the chronology Okay, so she was getting divorced from him. Yes. He was scared she was going to tell someone. He kidnapped her at gunpoint. Yeah. She filed charges and begged and pleaded for him to get thrown in jail. He's like, yes, turns out I did kidnap my wife at gunpoint. Yeah. (laughs) But grant me immunity and I'll tell you what I know about Mike Williams. Oh my God. So he gets immunity from the kidnapping. No, he gets immunity for the murder of Mike Williams. Oh, my God. Because what happened was Brian received immunity in exchange for all of the information leading up to the investigation and his body. So what happened was Denise and Brian had been having an affair for about three years. Uh-huh. And they wanted to be together, and they didn't want the stigma of divorce because murder's better. What? <laughs> 
Yeah. What? Let me tell you, divorce ain't so bad. So Brian went out that day on the lake with Mike, pushed him into the water and in an attempt for him to drown and do exactly what they say, get stuck in his waders. But the water's only five feet deep. Right. But the pull of the water would pull someone down and they wouldn't be able to tread water, And you can't, like, get those boots off quickly or whatever? Well, he did. He (gasps) did get those boots off quickly. What? And then Brian shot him. Oh, my God. So Brian's confession is on YouTube. I watched the whole thing today. So from the taped confession... That's all the information that he gave. In May 2018, Denise was indicted for the murder of Mike Williams and a whole host of fraud charges. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. she's got a rap sheet a mile long. So she was convicted late 2018 and sentenced to life in prison on the murder charge. However, in November 2020, that murder charge was overturned in exchange for conspiracy to commit murder. And now she is serving a 30-year sentence in jail while Brian is facing 30 years in jail just for the armed kidnapping. So that's it. Those fucking disgusting ass people killed sweet Mike Williams for insurance money. Did they, where Where was the body? So the body of Mike Williams, his remains were found in a grave about five miles from the home where he grew up in Tallahassee. And Brian goes into great detail in his confession about how he went to Walmart, bought a shovel, bought a tarp. Okay. Always was. In the fucking murder murder aisle. aisle. You guys, I can't believe Walmart doesn't just sell fucking kill kits at this point. I know. So, and it should be said that without down bitch Mama Cheryl, just trusting her gut and knowing that every time someone gave her that bullshit story, she was just getting gaslit. His murder would never have been uncovered because it never would have been treated criminally. Yeah. And her tenacity is literally what got this solved. And she spoke, oh, she spoke at the sentencing hearing for Denise. She's in a wheelchair. She's very old now, but she spoke very, very clearly about how she kept being told she was crazy. She was crazy. Uh-huh. You're wrong. The alligators ate him, crazy uh-huh, lady. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And she knew in her gut that she didn't, and those fucking monsters killed him. Oh my God. Yeah. Say something funny. Bottoms up, bitches! Bow, 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 Oh my God, you guys, we did uh, season four, episode nine. That was banana That is, but I watched so much extra footage, you guys. It's fascinating. Brian's whole confession is on YouTube. It's amazing. Take a look. So if you want more of these shenanigans, you guys, join us on the Drama Club. It's our Patreon. You get three full bonus episodes every month. There's over like 11 full bonus episodes to watch right now. And we're doing See No Evil. It's so good, you guys. See No Evil is so good. It's the show where they solve murders and stuff based on surveillance video. We are obsessed. Yeah, it's a nail biter. It's so good. Join us. Join us on our Facebook group. We talk life. We talk true crime. We tell jokes. We laugh. We cry. We talk about everything. It's a great little fam. Yeah. Follow us on our socials. Ellen Marsh on most things except for Ellen Marie Marsh on TikTok. (laughs) I'm at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram, Patrick Hines on Twitter. That's all, girl. Love you. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Does this three-act play have an intermission? (laughs) Just... I just need snacks. I can't take you seriously in that. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need I need snacks and a beverage. I wrote he's on his on his way to camping or whatever he's doing. He has to stop at work to pick up a shotgun. I just wrote fucking what? His shotgun. His shotgun. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's the hat. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> 
give me strength. Uh, no, no. Sorry. I wish we had cameras because I feel like we need to couple the dirty I stairs. I know. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the people that we know that are actually waiters who are like tied to this guy. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. I'm going to call the police. Yeah. I'm going to call the police. I'm going to make up a story uh-huh. and I'm going to film it for Instagram. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, so anyway, we're going to get through. Is anyone listening? I don't know. Is anyone still there? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>